Good evening. Tonight, uh, I'd like for us to look at a few things. Uh, the, so, the, the sermon will be just a little bit shorter tonight due to uh, the meeting that the elders want to have uh, with the congregation following. But I, I do have some things to say that I think are uh, helpful and challenging as we, uh, well, go out and live for Jesus this week. Grab your Bible, open it to begin with, to Ephesians chapter 1. And in the very last of that chapter, there are two verses that are among the most humbling verses in the Bible and yet the most challenging verses in the Bible. And in those, verse 22 and 23, it says, He's put all things under his feet. That is, God the Father has put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ, his Son, and gave him, that is Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. Jesus is head over all things to his church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, have you ever found yourself reading the Bible sometimes and and you read like, well, filler words? You know, there, there are passages that have a lot of depth, a lot of meaning, and, and you get the meat out of it. But then there's just words sometimes, and they just sound like filler words. And, and you don't really put much emphasis in it. You just kind of scan, scan over those, and then you get right down to the, you know, the better stuff or the good stuff. Listen, these are not filler words here. The fullness of him who fills all in all. That's not filler. Listen to what that's saying. That's saying that Jesus is head over his church, the body of Christ. And that body of Jesus is the fullness of him who fills all in all. What, what, what do I mean by the fullness of him? Well, if, if you can just kind of imagine, if I'm drawing a circle here, and... Um, you start at the top, and I go down, and I stop right here. That's not a circle, because it's not finished. It's not complete. I have to have the fullness in order to make that circle. What this passage is saying is that we, the church, we are the fullness of Jesus, what, let me put it another way. What this passage is saying is Jesus needs you. I, I almost choke on those words. I, I can say I need Jesus. I don't have any problem, hesitation saying that. But to say that Jesus needs me, that's exactly what that verse is saying. But not intrinsically. He existed long before we were ever on the scene. He doesn't need me in that sense. He he could do fine without us, but he's chosen to need us. Uh, We sing a song, into our hands the gospel is given. And we are to take that gospel, and Jesus needs his church to be his point of contact with the world today. And that's humbling, that God would trust me enough to place a mission that important into my hands, that's humbling, but it's also challenging. Man, we have work to do. There are things that we've got to get done. If we don't do it, Jesus, his mission will be incomplete. We are the fullness of him who fills all in all. With that said, um, 
There was a church once in the book of Revelation, the church of Philadelphia, Revelation chapter 3. And uh, it was a small nation situated in a place that wasn't very conducive to Christianity. And yet they were a good church. Of all the churches listed, he never had anything bad to say about the church of Philadelphia. He said, I've looked at your works, I've examined you, and you know what? You guys are on the ball. And he said this too, I have opened a door for you. And I want you to walk through it. I know you're small, but I've opened a door and go through it. Use this opportunity. And um, hopefully they did. We don't have a whole lot of record as to, you know, what eventually happens, or I don't know anyway of what happened to the church there. I know of some of the others and what happened on down the line, but um, I would hope that they went through that door of opportunity that the Lord gave them. A few weeks ago, we talked about in a lesson how that opportunities seldom come and expect them to. Um, in fact, uh, Joe drew me a picture in, um, I had said, you know, my, my view of opportunity is to get to preach at like Neyland Stadium on the 50 yard line and have, you know, 100,000 people there listen to me. Man, that would be something. I, I would enjoy that. Um, but that's not the way opportunity usually happens. Joe, after I preached that, brought me a picture of me standing on the 50 yard line in a stadium full of people. I, I've got it in my office now. But, um, what, what, happens, though, is that opportunities come in forms that really don't um, cater to our pride and to our ego. They often come in the form of challenges and sacrifice and difficulty and maybe even sleepless nights and uh, fears, but they are opportunities nonetheless. And, And I want us to be sure and remind you to to buy up the opportunities to go through those doors that God opens for us we are the fullness of him and opportunity presents itself in in many ways and i'm afraid well two examples and then the lesson will be yours tonight go in your bible to acts chapter 12 And let me just give you a little bit of the background to this chapter. In Acts chapter 12, the church has just begun. And they're trying to make progress, and they have been making tremendous progress. The church is growing by leaps and bounds. And the Jews at that time hated it. They hated Jesus. They hate his followers. And they're seeing great success among the apostles in the work that they're doing in Jerusalem. So you know what they do? They have James the apostle James arrested. And as chapter 12 begins, the king kills James with the sword. So now one of the apostles has been murdered because of what? What did he do wrong? Nothing. He just preached the gospel. And and now he's killed. What a blow to that first century church. Can you imagine... Uh, uh, you know, one of the, the elders or one of the deacons here um, martyred because of their faith in Jesus. What kind of a blow would that be to this congregation? Well, it must have been stunning. But not only did James, not only was he killed, but they arrested Peter. 
next. And now Peter's sitting in prison. And what do you think the church is thinking? Oh, no, we can't lose Peter too. I mean, they've killed James. Now they've got Peter in jail. And, and they're probably going to do to him the same thing. And so you know what happened? The church, look at Acts 12 and verse 12. The church had gotten together and they were praying. Well, what do you think they were praying about? The safety of Peter. They were praying that God would somehow deliver Peter. He's been arrested. He hadn't done anything wrong. Please, Lord, don't let happen to him what happened to James. They were praying. They met together to pray because Peter had been arrested. But if you look, an angel of the Lord came and opened the doors of the, the prison and released Peter, and he didn't even know what was going on. He said, Is this, are you kidding me? The Lord is acting. This is of the Lord. And so that's when Peter goes to the house where the disciples were all meeting and they were praying and he knocks on the door and a girl comes to the door and sees him and is in such shock. She just slams the door in his face, runs back inside and says to everybody, you'll never believe what happened. You heard the door knock, right? It's Peter. You know what they said? Look, verse 13 as Peter knocked at the door and the, uh, of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. They said to her, you're beside yourself. You're out of your mind. Have you, you're crazy. Peter can't be there. Well, he's got to be in prison. Listen, they were praying for his deliverance, and God did it, and they missed it. You know, they're praying, Lord, give us some grace here. Act on our behalf in your providence. And God said, okay, I'll do that. And they missed it. God had acted. He had intervened. He had taken his angel and directly saw to it that Peter was removed And even though these people were there praying, Lord, please be with Peter, they didn't see the opportunity. They didn't see that God had already acted on their behalf. Sometimes we pray for things, but we don't really believe that we'll get what we pray for. That seemed to be the problem here. And then there's another story, an account taken from Exodus chapter 14, if you have your Bible there. In Exodus chapter 14, the Lord had delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And he's now them in a very difficult place. There's the Red Sea on one side, and, and here come the Egyptians, and they are bear, you know, bearing down on them. They're coming to, to bring them back and to, to uh, make slaves of them. Well, here's how this whole thing happens. In Exodus, the early part, in in chapter 3 and 4, God said, I have heard the voice of my people. They have been lifting up their voices to me. They have been oppressed by this nation, the Egyptians. And I've heard their cry. And so Moses, I'm going to deliver them. And I'm I'm going to deliver them by your hand. I want you to lead them. Their cries have been heard. 
So here again are the people they're praying for. Lord, please help us, help us. And God says, I will. And so Moses, they go through the plagues and everything, and so all of that is out, and they've left, and they're backed up against the Red Sea, and here comes the Egyptians, and now they're in a mess, and so they begin to cry. Look at 14, verse 12. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you this day. For the Egyptians who uh, you see today, you shall see no again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And listen to what the Lord says to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Isn't that interesting? You know, we talk about um, we need to pray. We need to be a people of prayer. You know what? Sometimes it's time to stop praying and move forward. There's a time for prayer. They had cried out already to God and said, God, look at our condition, hear our cries. And God said, I have, and it's pathetic, and I'm going to help you. But they were continuing to cry out to the Lord. And God said, enough. Stop. Why are you crying out to me? I've already heard you. Now's not time to cry out. Now is time to move forward and to... Witness the salvation of the Lord. And of course, you know what happened. They moved forward. God parted the seas and they escaped on the other side. But the point is just simply this there are opportunities all about us. Let's allow ourselves to be used as tools in God's providence. Let's lift up our eyes and and look for the open doors that God brings to our lives. Let's not miss them. Let's pray that God will work and, and, and in his good providence create situations for us. But the time comes when we quit praying and we move forward. And um, it takes identifying those opportunities. They seldom come in forms that we expect. expect. They seldom give us limelight and and put us on a pedestal where everyone sits and takes notice. More often than not, they come with sacrifice and toil and sweat and tears. But they are opportunities nonetheless. Folks, as we go out this week, we can pray for God to be with us and and to allow our lives to be used in his providence to reach people with the gospel of Christ. Those prayers are wonderful. Pray them, but lift up your eyes and look for the doors that he opens for you. Let's not be like those first century disciples who prayed, Lord, deliver, and he did, and they didn't believe it. Let's not be like those children of Israel who cried out, and God said, I hear you, and God finally had to say, okay, quit crying out and move forward. Let's use the opportunities that we have. If you're here tonight and you're not yet 
a child of God, obey the gospel, you are given an opportunity tonight. God has given you a door of opportunity. Do you stay in sin or do you obey the gospel of Christ? If you haven't obeyed him, surrender your life to him, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and God will keep his promise and live for him then. And when you fail, and you will, seek his forgiveness, pray, and he'll be faithful and just to forgive. If you need to respond to the invitation tonight, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.